This information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. SBA's participation in this presentation is not an endorsement of the views, opinions, products, or services of any of the participants, persons, or entities. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. This information is as current as April 17, 2020. Aloha! I'm Evan Leong from Brain Gain Hawaii, and welcome to the Save Hawaii Jobs and Business webinar. Today is Friday, um, April 17th, and today we're going to go over the current situation of where we're at with this PPP Loans and Cares Act. Um, we're going to have an update from SBA and our team and take a deep dive into some of the pressing situations that are going on right now for employers. So if this is fairly new to you, we've got a resource folder with version 14 of the cliff notes of the memo that um, the team put together for PPP. Um, also in there is version two of a memo outlining the forgiveness of the PPP loan. Buddy will be posting up links inside of the chat. So please make sure you review those documents, um, especially before you answer questions, hopefully, but if this is your first webinar and so on, then we, we understand that. We've got previous webinars that we've done kind of to go over the basic mechanics. Um, and you can review that in the same links that um, that Buddy's going to put into there. So I want to introduce today our team, which is Jane Sawyer, the District Director for Hawaii's SBA, and Darren Leong, who's from the law office of Darren R. Leong. So Jane and Darren are going to start off by giving us an update on the PPP funding and the elephant in the room, which is what happens now? Funding ran out. I didn't get my loan. What, what are we doing about this? And Darren will also be going into depth into the forgiveness portion of the loan so that it becomes a grant. Stacey Katakura, who's the CEO of Accumulus, which is an outsourced uh, CFO and accounting firm, will discuss the updates in the new version of the interim final rule. And you've probably seen her a lot in PBN lately. So that's Stacey. We have a video debut for today. We are bringing out Jeff Harris, who's a senior name partner at um, the law firm of Torkelton. And Jeff's gonna cover unemployment and how to bring workers back. He, there's a lot of questions we've gotten on that. And Jeff um, will, be, will be talking in depth with that. Um, Buddy Leong, as you may or may not know, is out in the back handling all our communications, our email, our chat box, our Google Drive. Um, if you've emailed us, you've probably seen something coming back from him. And Coco Leong, who is our editor, he's also in charge of the content. So this webinar will be recorded and then uploaded. And then Coco put together a podcast. So if you want to just do audio and you want to have it on podcast, um, we have that as well. So Buddy will post links to that. So we've got a lot to cover today. Um, if we go past 3 p.m. a little bit, we'll, we'll do that. If you have to go, you can always catch it what you missed on the um, podcast or the video. And questions, we're going to take them during the webinar to the Q&A chat box. That's the one at the bottom. Post them in the chat box because if you post, I mean, in the Q&A box, if you put it in the chat box, you'll just be asked to put it in the Q&A box, okay? After that, questions at braingainhi.com. We'll take questions there at that email for about 30 minutes after the webinar. After that, it's just too much. So you have to wait for kind of the next one. And lastly, please note, this is a fully volunteer effort. None of us are getting paid to do this. This is free, it's pro bono. We're just trying to do it to help as many people as we can. Um, this is hundreds of hours of billable work as well as hundreds of questions being answered and so on. So just wanted to make sure that that's clear. Okay, so before 
any further ado, I want to start off where we're at with Jane Sawyer, who's the District Director of Hawaii's SBA. Please take it, Jane. Thank you. Aloha, everyone. Uh, happy Aloha Friday. It's been a long week so far, and I'm sure many of you feel exactly the same way. Um, uh, SBA disaster assistance or COVID-19 response programs um, have been going pretty hard in full swing, and we know that the major program, the PPP loan program, ran out of funding on Thursday, Wednesday night. So um, it's uh, we've had a lot of effort going into it. I know a lot of you are probably going, where's my money? Where's my application? These kind of things. And all of that is is being worked through and we'll try and give you a few answers but also the biggest thing to remember is this is a brand new program this has never been done before um, and we're doing the best we can at SBA at the banks in the community to make sure that uh, we're helping as many people and as many employees as we can when Congress rolled out a lot of these things the whole point was to help small businesses survive this impact from COVID-19 pandemic. And we still don't know exactly what that means. It also was designed to help keep employees on the payroll. So we know everybody is struggling along with the same ideas and we just ask for your focus and your patience as we go through the process. Um, we saw in, in just a week's time, Congress approved um, the CARES Act on March 27th. The loans started, the application process started on April 3rd. So within a week, uh, entire loan program was stood up, application forms were out there in the community and our banks were standing up to help you come along and get these applications in on a whole different concept for the banks. We're looking at that, no collateral requirements, 100% guarantee, no personal guarantee from you regarding the loan proceeds and no payment for six months. So this is all very, very new. And the whole point of the program, again, keep small businesses ready to go when we get through this pandemic and keep workers on the payroll. Um, we've had an incredible response here in Hawaii. And yes, we exhausted $350 billion in just like 12 days. So that meant across the country that over 1.66 million loans were approved to small businesses across the nation. So it's a pretty big effort and we've got, all, we've got over um, 11,000 that were approved just in the state of Hawaii. I think Darren's gonna cover some of those statistics and what that picture really looks like. The biggest question is, where do I go from here or what happens now? Um, if you have got an approval date from your loan, you should be in touch with your bank because the bank is the one who's going to help you close on the loan and disperse those funds. And that should, the point of this is also to get money out pretty quickly. So that should happen within about 10 days. So pay attention to the email address you put into your application or the phone number, because one of those two ways is the way the bank is gonna call you up and say, we need to get you in here. These are the other documents we may need, or you need to submit them online so that we check your bank account, we check that information. Um, again, be careful that you are talking to the bank you applied with and that you have gotten some verification from them so that uh, you know they should already have your banking information and everything from your application. So don't give extra information like that, that PII out to anybody else. 
So, um, but the first disbursement should come within about 10 days to get you rolling. What you should be thinking about in the meantime is how you're gonna bring back any furloughed employees, how you're gonna get them back on the payroll. Um, you'll probably be hearing a little bit more about some of those considerations throughout this webinar, but those are some of the things that you can plan. I know we're not, if you're not an essential business, a lot of you may not have a lot of work for those employees until we see if we're gonna get our businesses back up and running and open to do business come May 1st. So please continue to follow all the other guidelines that go along with this COVID-19 disaster, but get yourself ready. If you haven't submitted an application, check with the bank to make sure you're still in queue because that's what most of the banks are doing. Many of them are still holding applications that they were attempting to get in as we closed down and ran out of um, the allocation of funds um, earlier this week. So make sure you're in queue, see if they need anything additional for, from you, but then stay on top of it because we hopefully should hear if we're gonna get some more funding very, very soon. I know our congressional team here in Hawaii is supporting um, another big budget allocation to go toward the PPP and the EIDL funding. Both of those programs, the application process is shut down. They're working in processing the loan applications that have already been submitted. So they should be, you should be hearing from either your bank with the PPP or you should be hearing from SBA's Office of Disaster Assistance in the coming weeks. There are two separate loans, two separate functions. We have a smaller team at SBA because it's just basically one bank working on those economic injury disaster loans. And they also may need more information. It's a different kind of loan. Um, and again, a smaller workforce. Here we've got, across the country, we have like 4,700 banks that are working on this program. Here in Hawaii, we have a lot of banks and credit unions who've really been your champions through this process. They're the source of information and they're the best ones for you to communicate with now, particularly if you've been notified that your application does have an F SBA approval. Again, follow up with your bank if you didn't get in on that first group. Um, if you haven't gotten a notification, make sure you're still in queue or if they need any additional information and stay tuned to your favorite news channel to see when Congress is gonna pass some more funding to help us move forward. Again, our, our congressional team is in support of this. We're hoping they'll all get called back to Washington and uh, push through another, another round of funding so we continue to get Hawaii back to work. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Um, so uh, you may notice that on the Q&A that our pace is uh, less today than um, in past webinars. What we're gonna try to do today is go deep dive into some of these issues. Um, and that includes uh, Jeff Harris, who is usually focused on the Q&A, but will be uh, in some discussion with us today. Uh, before I do that, though, uh, we've gotten a lot of questions from people who did not um, get their loan approved through SBA as to what the facts, statistics, uh, and what they can do. So um, I'm going to roll out some statistics that... Uh, we've been able to gather from public sources. Um, I'll, I'll caveat it right off the bat by saying, for some of you, this is great. And for some of you, this will be of no, uh, no solace to. Um, but we are here to provide the information and whatever is within our control, you know, we are, we're trying to, to help you through this process. 
Uh, as you know, there was $349 billion appropriated by Congress. Those applications opened up on April 3rd, which was a Friday. Uh, the money was gone by April or on April 15th. So the applications were open for 12 days. Um, as noted in some news sources, the process is the banks take in an application and, and many or all of you submitted those applications. And then the bank goes through its own process uh, in terms of its line or uh, working through each of those applications to make sure that it's ready to be submitted to the SBA. Um, uh, once the application is ready or at the front of that bank's line, that bank will then go into the eTran computer system and enter that application in there. If it is, uh, if it is successfully entered, then uh, you will get, or that entrant will get an SBA loan number, which is the point at which that share of the 349, the 349 billion is allocated to uh, that particular <clears throat> applicant or borrower. Um, at that point, then there is 10 days and the bank will um, fund that loan within the next 10 days. Uh, and many of you who have received um, what some banks call conditional approvals or, or other similar terms uh, are in that boat. Um, I would note our SBA has no control over um, the funds being exhausted. So our local SBA does not have control over the PPP or the EIDL funds. Um, that is controlled from Congress uh, and to some extent by the national SBA. Um, we understand that not only has the PPP money at this point been exhausted, but it appears that EIDL funds have as well. Um, the applications are closed for those EIDL funds currently. And uh, for those of you who got your uh, applications in, uh, what we've been told anecdotally is that it's taking around three weeks um, to hear back uh, on the status of those. Uh, again, that is controlled at the national level. Uh, according to Richard Wacker, who is the president current of the Hawaii Bankers Association, uh, Hawaii has 0.25% of the U.S. population, which is a quarter of 1%, and also 0.45 or so of GDP for the United States, um, so just under a half a percent. Um, in the first round, Hawaii acquired $2 billion of the $349 billion. Uh, which is equivalent to about 0.6 of a percent. Uh, that is over double uh, the per capita share uh, for the U.S. Um, for Hawaii's per capita share. And it is also somewhere in the range of around 25% more than our GDP share. Uh, according to PBN today, there were somewhere over 20,000 applications submitted uh, and there were 11,500 or so approved uh, for what is estimated to be over uh, 100,000 jobs. Um, uh, the total number for Hawaii was just over $2 billion, uh, as I said. Uh, you know, unfortunately, that still means that likely uh, we're in the ballpark of about 10,000 businesses or applications that did not make it in on time. Um, American Savings Bank has reported that through Tuesday, uh, this past Tuesday, that it had 3,200 applications 
with 2,500 approved um, and 275 funded at that time. That means that American Savings Bank got through approximately 75% of the applications submitted to it. Uh, that appears to exceed the percentage rate for our state, um, which is somewhere in the ballpark of about 50% of all applications submitted uh, ended up making it in in this first round. Um, our anecdotal information is that Central Pacific Bank also exceeded the state's rate of approval percentage for applications that got through uh, SBA, uh, ETRAN, and were uh, on the funding stage um, versus applications that were just submitted to the bank. Uh, we do not know what the national percentage is for loans approved versus the amount submitted to banks is. Uh, we have looked uh, for that information but have not been able to um, identify it. Uh, and based on um, news stories, including uh, some promising news today, uh, it appears that there is discussion over an additional $250 billion uh, to be put towards this program. Uh, the earliest this will happen is Monday of next week, um, but it is uncertain if and when it will actually happen. Those are just the discussions that appear to be taking place with congressional leadership. Based on the pace that the funds ran out in the last day of the $349 billion, uh, we expect that if there is an additional $250 billion, that it will go extremely quickly within a matter of days. Um, the clip uh, at the very end uh, for the $349 billion in the first round uh, it appeared to exceed $50 billion a day, um, uh, perhaps significantly more than that. Uh, the four major banks um, that we know of and have been uh, tracking are not currently taking new applications, but they are, uh, they do appear to be getting the existing ones that they have ready for the second round of funding if and when that funding happens. Um, so uh, that brings uh, me to you know, the point of what you can do because you know, we can only do what's within our control. Um, on that, we have a couple of, of points. Uh, if you had an app in at a bank and it did not get put through the e-tran the e system and did not get a piece of the initial 349 billion, you should make sure that application at that bank is in perfect shape so that if uh, the additional funds are issued and if your application makes it to the front of that bank's line, that it can be entered quickly and efficiently um, so that there are no uh, errors on the application and to avoid the risk that SBA eTran will reject that application. That means contacting uh, your bank. Uh, for those of you, and we know there are some of you out there, uh, for those of you who submitted applications very early, Friday, uh, April 3rd, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh, and, and did not get those funded, you should contact your banks and you should ask them what you can do to be ready for the next round, ask them what happened, ask how deep their wait list is, um, you can ask for information to the extent that they will disclose it to you. Um, if any uh, banks uh, open their uh, acceptances for new applications again, uh, we will update that. Um, and if and when that occurs, 
um, you may want to try and make a determination on which bank uh, may be able to process your application the fastest. Um, again, I know that is somewhat limited in what you know the 10,000 or so applications out there are able to do, but we're doing everything we can to uh, put as many applications and get as much funding into Hawaii uh, if and when the second round happens. Um, so with that, we're going to turn our attention now to uh, more technical aspects, uh, including there was uh, a further uh, interim final rule issued um, this week, uh, which Stacy will cover. Uh, then I will cover some forgiveness issues and also a really big issue uh, on for all of you or businesses that are currently closed or essentially shut down and now you're staring down, bringing back employees who will be, you know, who you do not have work for. Um, I'll address that question. And then Jeff is going to end up addressing some unemployment questions. So I'll hand it over to Stacey. Okay. So this week, um, the, the uh, new interim final rule was issued. And I think one of the biggest questions that we've been asked had, has finally been addressed in the interim final rule. And that is in risk in regards to the partner um, and LLC member compensation. Um, so the interim final rule made it clear that the, um, the draws from the partnerships uh, to partners and members um, are included in the partnerships um, PPP application. The, um, the, and the, this is the draws of up to $100,000. In, you know, um, and conversely, the, the partners of partnerships are not eligible to apply for the PPP loan on their own. Unless, of course, they're self-employed uh, LLC uh, members. Um, another, the, the interim final rule, I think the, the majority of the, the, um, the new ruling addressed how self-employed individuals should calculate the income from self-employment. Um, and basically, it made, I'll just kind of go over it at a high level, um, what it um, direction that provided, and that's the, to use your Schedule C income for 2019. Um, if you haven't yet filed your 2019 tax returns, it says that you need to complete just the Schedule C, um, and you can only take up to $100,000 of annualized uh, compensation on that. Um, you also will need to uh, provide documentation um, such as a 1099, bank statement, uh, accounting records, invoices establishing that you are self-employed. Um, in addition, uh, it is just for 2019 uh, that they'll be looking to document income. Um, so income for 2020 will not be considered in the loan amount. Um, and this is just due to the lack of verifiable documentation uh, on expenses during this period. Um, it did say that the SBA will be issuing guidance for individuals not in operation as of um, 2019, but were in operation as of uh, February 15th of this year. Um, in addition, uh, self-employed individuals will sometimes have sometimes have uh, employees, and so you would you would include the payroll for your employees if you have any, as well as health insurance, retirement contributions, uh, and SUDA. Um, in the in the um, in the loan amount, you also will if you think you receive any idle loan, um, you would you can include the amount of that idle loan that you'd wish to uh, refinance with the PPP loan proceeds. Um, and then finally, uh, forgiveness res with respect to the self-employed individuals, um, owner compensation will be limited to the eight weeks. Um, 
of 2009 net profit versus a two and a half times um, payroll. Um, and I thought I thought it was interesting. I, I, this question has been coming up a lot as to um, the costs incurred and payments made language uh, that we're still that we still haven't seen any definitive guidance um, regarding the costs incurred and payments made. Because I, I think a lot of you are asking, you know, if I'm on some semi monthly pay, uh, payroll, do I include two months worth of income or three pay periods, four pay periods, whatnot? Um, I thought it was interesting that the um, the examples that were given in the um, the interim final rule clearly indicated that you calculate pay at eight weeks. So you look at your annual salary. If it's $100,000 divided by 52 times eight, I think that that's an indication that the intent is to, um, it, that the intent will be to include accrued um, payroll during the eight week period. That again, it has not been made uh, extremely clear. So I, I, we do anticipate that at some point in the near future that will be addressed specifically. Um, and then finally, I did, uh, with the interim final rule date, there was an example, a lot of this question has come up a lot as to what transportation payments uh, mean. Um, and the, there was an example that was in the uh, final, uh, in the interim final rule that said um, any gas used to drive a vehicle for business purposes um, is included in as a utility transportation payment. Um, but that, that in sum is, I think, um, what the the interim final rule this um, this week uh, stated, um, and I do believe um, the regulations for the CARES Act, the final regulations are due to be issued in the next 10 days or so. So we really do hope that all the questions that you have um, that haven't been answered yet, is especially with regards to the payments made and a cost incurred, as well as the definition of a full-time employee equivalent, um, we hope that uh, the guidance for those questions will be answered at the very least um, in the final regs. Thank you, Stacey. Um, so I'm going to cover uh, forgiveness in, in some depth now and also talk about this situation of what to do when your business is shut down and you're needing to pay, pay payroll. Um, but I just want to note right off the bat that uh, we do have two memos published. Uh, one is our memo for employers. That's on its, I think, 14th version. But the other is a memo specifically devoted to forgiveness. Um, and we're finding that uh, many, of the, many of the questions um, uh, asked are answered in those memos. So, so we would just ask to please, please, please review particularly the forgiveness memo because um, hopefully that provides a uh, a clear and comprehensive um, answer to many of these questions. Some, some it will not, and so uh, you know we'll try to answer those as well. But um, please look at the memo. Um, in terms of forgiveness, and and also the way that memo is broken down, we've tried to simplify it down into five rules. So the first two rules, when read together, the first one is that you have to use allowable uses by June thirtieth. The second is that um, it has to be within the forgiveness rules. The forgiveness rules are within the eight weeks following loan disbursement. So read together, the in order to have you know this dollar of PPP money to be forgivable, it needs to be within the eight weeks to qualify for forgiveness, and it has to be before June 30th because that's an allowable use. Uh, we've seen some arguments flying around as to um, that. You could go eight weeks, even if it's beyond 
um, the uh, June 30th date. But the, the only reference to anything similar to that so far in SBA or Treasury guidance has been a footnote at the bottom of one of their FAQs on an FAQ that doesn't even address this issue. And the footnote itself doesn't say that. It says uh, that restrictions go further than June 30th. So uh, where we fall on this issue is we think the statute is quite clear. And unless and until SBA or Treasury says that you can use the funds past June 30th, then you should assume that in order to get forgiveness, it has to be used, number one, before June 30th, and number two, within the eight weeks following disbursement. If you are going to bank on you know, some guidance later on coming out that says you can use it later, you really do run a very big risk because um, you may end up with not enough time at that point if, uh, if the rules that come out end up being exactly what we're saying, which is what the statute says. Um, uh, forgiveness, uh, as we've discussed before in uh, rule number two, it covers payroll costs and then also non-payroll costs, uh, which we've discussed those uh, as well. There is further guidance on what utilities are um, uh, and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, rules three through five, uh, we think of them as connected together as well. So rule number three is the one uh, that I believe swallows everything else, which is if you're planning on getting 100% of your loan forgiven using all of the money, then rule number three is the biggest one, which is that you can use no more than 25% of the money for non-payroll costs. Um, that amount goes down, that 25% goes down based on the amount that you use that is eligible for forgiveness. So for example, if you have $100 and you don't use a full $75 for payroll costs, and in fact you use say $50 for payroll costs, uh, the amount that you can use for non-payroll costs correspondingly goes down because uh, it's 25% of the entire amount. And so what that ends up meaning is that you want to maximize uh, the, to the full 75%, you want to maximize uh, the payroll costs, which again is exactly what the law is intended to do. It's called the Paycheck Protection Program for a reason. They issued the 75-25 rule for a reason, and that reason is to put people back on payroll and, and give them paychecks. So if you do that, and you're essentially using the entire amount, uh, 25, say it's 25% for rent and utilities, and the full 75% for payroll costs, that 75% of your loan amount will be very roughly equivalent to keeping everyone from your look back period or on payroll at 100% or bringing everyone back at 100% pay for eight weeks. If you have everyone that you had before back on payroll at 100% for eight weeks, then rules four and five become less meaningful. That said, let me, let me just quickly cover those two rules. So rule number four is a headcount rule. It is an overall headcount rule based on full-time equivalents, um, Full-time equivalents have not been defined yet. Um, it's, a, it's a common question. We are still waiting for that. 
But what rule number four says is that you need to maintain, in order to get full forgiveness, you need to maintain the average monthly full-time equivalent of employees over the eight-week period um, as compared to a look-back period. And you have two choices on the look-back period. The first is the, the first two months of this year, and the other time period is uh, February 15th to June 20th of last year. So whichever one of those two time periods had a lower headcount, that is the number that you need to meet on average for that entire eight weeks to get full forgiveness. Rule number five is an individual employee pay rule. So, and what that one says is that you cannot reduce each employee's pay. And you look at this one by one by one by one. You cannot reduce that employee's pay over 25% of the total salary or wages that that employee had in the most recent full quarter. Um, if you reduce it past 25%, then that gets taken off your forgiveness. Um, employees who in any pay period uh, are compensated at a prorated rate of over 100000 per year are excluded from this rule. But for you know your employees who are paid $100,000 or less, it's a rule that says you need to keep them, um, you cannot reduce them over 25%. But again, if you think back to rule number three and you have to, uh, you end up paying essentially full pay to everyone for eight weeks so that you can use 75% of the funds, you shouldn't be running into an issue with rule number five, okay? The, the big thing that is being talked about, about rule number four and rule number five, is what people are referring to as a safe harbor or an exemption for rehires. Um, and uh, essentially, this is a section of the statute that, at least in my opinion, is the most uh, poorly worded section of the entire statute. It is very, very difficult to understand uh, what it says. But in essence, what a number of um, people are saying uh, is that they're reading this section to say, if you um, reduced your headcount or pay of employees between February 15th and April 26th, if you, you know, essentially took a dive on those in that time period, and if you restore back to February 15 numbers of pay or and or headcount, if you do it by June 30th, or you could do it on June 30th, that um, rules number four and five go away. Um, that, I think, is uh, a dangerous way to read that rule. And, and Jeff and Stacey may disagree, but um, I, I think there are two reasons why that, um, that approach, thinking that you can you know, just restore everything only at June 30th, just wait that long, and put everyone back on June 30th, why that is particularly problematic. Uh, the first is a legal one, which is that it makes no sense because if you could get around the rules that are trying to keep everyone on payroll by simply putting everyone back on June 30th and then uh, laying them off again on July 1st, one day later, it would destroy the purpose of the statute. So, um, I do not think it is likely that Treasury or SBA will issue guidance that says you can get around these headcount and employee pay rules, rules four and five, 
simply by restoring everyone for one day on June 30th and then getting rid of everyone the next day. Uh, the second reason is, is one that I think um, makes the issue moot, which is if you did what this safe harbor uh, that people are talking about or this what's called exemption for rehires, if you did that, if you restored everyone on June 30th to, to those earlier levels and then got rid of them the next day, you would not be able to use the full 75% of your loan amount to go toward payroll costs. So you will be stuck with not uh, enough money that had been used toward payroll to then apply for forgiveness. So as a practical matter, even if this, this uh, aggressive reading of, of that safe harbor provision even if that is the correct reading under the law, uh, it won't work if you are trying to comply with rule number three, which is 25%, no more than that gets used for non-payroll costs and the remaining 75% have to be used uh, for payroll costs. The other, uh, switching gears slightly, the other issue that we are getting over and over and over and over is one where, uh, your businesses, whether they're restaurants, whether they're retail stores, whether they're um, you know, customer-facing businesses are essentially closed because of the stay-at-home order. And you are looking at, in order to get full forgiveness of this PPP loan, you're looking at bringing back your entire staff at 100%, but you don't necessarily have 100% work for them. And in some cases, you, many of you um, have very little work for these people. And so you're saying, what should we do? Um, we think that the law, the conclusion we've, we've come to and, and rolled out pretty much repeatedly since the start is that we think this law was intended for, for you, for those businesses that are shut down and is encouraging you to bring back those people onto payroll, get them paychecks. Um, and, uh, even if, even if they're somewhat underutilized. Um, I have to acknowledge, though, that there is at least some small risk or some risk that the statute requirement that says the funds have to be used to maintain operations, that it's possible down the road that, um, you know, Treasury or SBA can say that necessary to main operate, maintain operations uh, means, you know, only the limited purposes of employees doing what they did before. I think that is very unlikely for several reasons. Um, the first is right off the bat, this law is called the Paycheck Protection Program. It is, it is for the purpose of protecting paychecks and getting people back on payroll. The final interim rules, both of them that were issued, they talk specifically about the closures that have happened um, across the country resulting in restaurants, bars, gyms, malls, retail stores, and other businesses having to shut down, and that this law is specifically for those businesses to carry their payrolls during this difficult time. Um, because of those kinds of things, we think that the law recognizes that um, these businesses will be closed and that the law is intended to provide paychecks for employees during this closure um, and that is the intention. 
Uh, we put this issue to Congressman Case uh, in our previous webinar. He agreed. We put this issue to Congresswoman Gabbard uh, in the uh, prior webinar. She agreed as well. So our conclusion on this is, you know, while you know, anything's possible and there could be rules down the road that change, we do think that the purpose of the Paycheck Protection Program includes businesses such as restaurants and retail, et cetera, that are closed, that will have to bring back employees um, and not have them doing what they traditionally would do because the business is closed. That said, the next question is, well, what creative things can we do with our employees? Because what you have, if you get a loan, is you have the ability now to have essentially free labor to do uh, any number of things. And we do have some ideas for this. Um, I mean, the first ones obviously are, are training and certifications and those kinds of things, uh, you know, fixing up inventory, the normal things you would think of, advertising, et cetera. If you have that work, great for the employees. Uh, there are some other creative thoughts. For example, in the construction industry, uh, with a loan like this, it essentially is providing you um, 100% labor for eight weeks. You could take that labor and do projects, whether it's for um, nonprofits or Habitat for Humanity or other projects, and apply that labor to those projects and charge those projects out at, at cost of uh, materials or at a slight premium to that, but essentially get out and do work that wouldn't otherwise have been profitable but now because your payrolls are covered that you can do that work and make a contribution to the community. Um, in that, in that process, you hopefully can market it um, so that there's visibility to your company uh, and that it will bring goodwill toward the company uh, when you're back to doing your regular work. Uh, another example, restaurants. Um, restaurants, uh, will now have a bunch of uh, employees to do various things. You could offer, uh, for example, not just takeout, you could offer free delivery because now you have employee labor that can be put toward that. Um, and the transportation costs are considered utilities uh, under the Paycheck Protection Program, so you could use uh, the money to cover that as well. Uh, if you're offering free delivery, you might go further than offering just delivery of prepared uh, and cooked meals. You might add to that, say, um, a, a meal package where down the road, uh, people can prepare the meal themselves simply by heating it up or putting it in the oven. So essentially a, a semi-prepared meal. Uh, and you could, if you uh, wanted, expand it even further by essentially offering raw materials such as grocery items and that sort of thing, because again, we're in an environment where uh, there is there is benefit to people staying home, but still getting their food, groceries, et cetera, that they need. So um, those are just uh, some ideas. You can also have uh, volunteer, or since you have more labor to prepare more food, uh, you could join up with some nonprofits, those sort of things, um, to uh, get the word out. Uh, what I would add to that is we're aware of a number of volunteer organizations that are doing all kinds of good work in the community right now. And there is actually quite a bit of demand, whether it's uh, IHS, 
or whether it's some of these pop-ups uh, such as Greg Kim's or Gabe Amy's companies that deliver meals to Kupuna in Hawaii. Um, and to the extent that you have extra labor and you can apply it to these community efforts, then there is synergy there because you can provide that community service. You can get your loan fully forgiven. You can get notoriety and some attention for the good deeds the company is doing and hopefully leverage that into business down the road. Um, and then you also get the benefit of using some of that PPP money for rent and, and that sort of thing. So we encourage you know, some creative thinking of not just saying, oh, we're shut down and we have no work for the employees. You know, think of how you can creatively use those, uh, those resources. Um, uh, I know that Evan is uh, in contact with quite a few community efforts on this front that are looking for labor, um, whether it's uh, delivery or IT or restaurant, etc. So if you have, because you got PPP funding, if you have extra labor that is essentially being paid to not do very much, then feel free to reach out to him. Um, because he can hopefully connect you to some of these community organizations. Uh, and, you know, if we, if we get creative and do this right, then we'll be able to do a lot of good in the community, bring a lot of positive attention to businesses for their community work, and also have full forgiveness of the loans that you are getting. Um, so with that, I apologize for the length of my comments, um, but I'll pass it to Jeff, and then um, we'll probably connect with the three of us, with Jeff and Stacy, uh, to comment on some last things. Go ahead, Jeff. Thank you, Darren. And one of those comments we'll make after my presentation is we'll address the, those folks that think they can use the money after June 30th. So let's think about that. Um, now, as Darren Darren's mentioned, um, you want to if you want full forgiveness, you need to bring your employees back essentially at full pay. And, and there are obvious answers going to be, well, I kind of like unemployment. And I, I kinda, I'm kind of looking forward to this extra 600 that the feds are going to give me. And the answer to that is, well, well that, wasn't, that wasn't the purpose of the Payroll Protection Act. The purpose of the Payroll Protection Act was to get them back on the payroll. And so we recommend you give them a letter. Um, you call and you give them a letter and give them a week to get back to work. Uh, to def define their compensation at roughly the same as as their they were earning before they were laid off or put on leave, and uh, remind them that they're going to get prepaid health care, workers' comp, and TDI coverage, which they wouldn't get under under unemployment. Uh, uh, give them a week or so to respond, and if they don't respond, they they have a affirmative obligation to the unemployment insurance office to say they got the offer, but the unemployment insurance office may not hear from them as, as rapidly as you'd like, and they, they may need some prodding. So our suggestion is after you give the letter to the employee, send it to the unemployment insurance office with their last four digits of their social security number, because if, they, if there is available work, they're not entitled to state unemployment benefits. They're not, they're not entitled to one penny of it. Uh, if, if there is available work, an eligibility condition of unemployment is, is, of course, being available for work. And you don't satisfy that eligibility requirement 
if you if you refuse to go back to work. In 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 addition to that, again, it doesn't have to be the same sort of work. It can be a, a different functions like like Darren described. An additional point is if they don't qualify for the state unemployment, they likely don't qualify for the federal six hundred dollars supplement either. The federal $600 supplement only applies if they're prevented from working because of the stay-at-home order or because of their their own virus or that they have to stay home and take care of their kids. Reasons similar to why they would go on uh, the emergency sick or family leave. Um, again, the, 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 the offer that you make to the the employee if if it is indeed uh, uh, transmitted to them and you show that to the Department of Labor and Industrial Relations, the, the employee should have the, the employee should have no option, uh, no financial option, but to come back to work. But our our thought is most employees won't even get that far. If you give them an opportunity to come back to close full pay with with the, the opportunity to uh, participate in functions like we've described, that, that'll be a win-win for everyone. Uh, the, the other possibility is some of you may decide to bring people back part-time. Uh, you, may, you may say, oh, instead of one full-time equivalent, I, I'll do two, two part-time equivalents to add up to full-time equivalent, and it, I'll pay them under the their maximum unemployment benefit and they'll satisfy for they'll satisfy um, the qualification for partial unemployment benefits. Uh, There's been a suggestion that if they satisfy qualify for partial unemployment benefits, they may also uh, qualify for that $600 federal emergency payment as well. That that's not clear to us. It's, it's clear that they're, they're, of, they're available for part-time work. They may get the partial unemployment benefit, but it's not clear that they've been prevented from working because of the stay-at-home order or the virus or the or the um, uh, the requirement to take care of children, which are conditions of the $600 supplement. I think there's been a great misunderstanding about that $600 supplement. It doesn't come just because you're unemployed. It doesn't come just because you were laid off. It, it has the same sort of qualifications that the Federal Sick and Emergency Leave Act have of, of being forced to stay at home because of an order, uh, being forced to stay home because you have the virus or in a, or in a, uh, uh, exposed to the virus, or having to take care of children. So, so the and and the six hundred dollars hasn't even started coming out yet. I think that's one of the problems that our State Department of Labor Industrial Relations is having right now is it's gotten some fairly specific advice from the U.S. Department of Labor about the narrow conditions for for the, for qualification for that additional money, and and they're working through those and getting their system up and running. Darren, I I, I have nothing more at this time, and I think we might get back to our dialogue. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw a comment up um, a minute or, or two ago that I, I think 
raises a, a good point and, and digs in a little bit. So, uh, yes, if you are bringing people back and using PPP funds to pay for their payroll, there will be a few costs associated with um, bringing them back that aren't covered by PPP. Okay, so the the biggest one is the employer portion of um, of payroll taxes. Uh, on top of that, I think there's what is a relatively small amount that if you are carrying their uh, TDI or work comp uh, at that time, then there's a little extra cost. So if you're really breaking down the math and saying, well, I'm bringing this person back on payroll and therefore getting a 25% benefit uh, for rent and utilities. Yes, you do need to uh, reduce the, the real value of that 25% a little bit uh, by the fact that you will out of pocket have to cover the employer portion of payroll taxes uh, and you know, perhaps some, some insurance. Uh, Stacy, do you want to comment on that further at all? No, I don't have any comment. Um, I, I mean, so before um, some some final comments, uh, I, I think again, what, what we are what we are hearing in all kinds of different shapes and forms are are different variations of can I you know bring everyone back at the last second and then do something. Can I use the money after um, the, the June 30th and use it down the road? And uh, without getting into the, the sort of legality of each one of those, I, I would just get back to the core purpose of this law, which is in the basically May and June time period, to get as many employees back on payroll getting paychecks as possible. Um, the other issue with, with those kinds of sort of uh, ideas that are floating around, just remember that the, the banks are not on the hook here. So the banks have minimal responsibility with respect to uh, their due diligence on giving um, businesses loans. All of the responsibility is on the borrower and those certifications. And I know it was easy just to put initials down on that application, but it is a big deal because if you knowingly don't do what you're supposed to do with that money, you are violating those certifications. And, and that has, uh, you know, that has real potential consequences to it. So I would just reiterate, you know, it, there's real clear purpose to what this is for, which is to bring everyone back for eight weeks on full payroll. I mean, that's essentially what all these all these rules are are jerry rigged to do. Um, so on that, I'll pass it back to Jeff. Darren, let's just emphasize as we close because it's a suggestion I'm getting over and over again, and that's let's just save the money until July and August because that's when we'll really need it. And and I think we. We both firmly agree you don't get the money then, under, not under the, the current statute and rules. Things would have to change. Con either Congress or the Treasury would have to say that's okay because we re read it now that allowable purposes end June 30th. That's good. You, you, you sure you get the loan for, for and you don't have to pay the loan back for six months or perhaps longer, start paying the loan back. Ensure you get a, a great 
interest rate, but it, those are all to, for, to address the allowable purposes and not to, to address your payroll or things that would be allowed before June 30th, after June 30th. There's, there's, there's no guidance that I see so far that allows that scheme. I, I, I agree. Um, okay. I'll just close um, by uh, going back to, to some of those ideas of how you can use employees who are perhaps going to be underutilized. Because uh, we, we do anticipate that essentially there will be approximately $2 billion of money flowing out of the banks in, in the next 10 days. So uh, what we should hopefully see is a dramatic and immediate drop in unemployment. Um, and uh, a lot of you are wondering um, what you can do. So uh, Evan, uh, Beth Ann Kozlovich, um, who was previously with Hawaii Public Radio, uh, and Trisha Kajimura uh, from Kahimohala are launching an effort uh, to um, support um, and move past anxiety and clarity issues. Um, that will be posted. Uh, I think I saw some in the uh, chat box that Kanu Hawaii has volunteer uh, opportunities. Um, we also have a site um, or a link that you can go to um, for uh, other uh, opportunities, whether they be with IHS or YMCA or some of these other community organizations. Uh, if you reach out to us and say, hey, I have extra labor, is there a way we can team up? Um, I think we will likely be able to connect you. Um, so with that, uh, thank you, Jane. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you, Evan, uh, Buddy, and Coco. And uh, we wish you guys uh, a very, very good weekend. Um, and we will keep doing what we can to uh, push uh, forward as best we can. Thanks so much.